Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Welcome to the final Sunday of Rescue. I hope you have enjoyed walking through this theme of thinking about how Jesus is the ultimate rescuer. I'm going to add one more thought to our conversation in just a few moments. Before we do that, though, I want to give you an update on Easter weekend. Between our two Good Friday gatherings and then Saturday night and then our three normal Sunday gatherings, we had a very memorable time just considering the death of Christ and what that means for us. And then on Saturday and Sunday, thinking about how Jesus rose from the dead. And because of that, we can have a forever friendship with God. It was a very enjoyable weekend. And I want to let you know, between Saturday and Sunday, we set a record Easter attendance here at Valley Point Church by welcoming 1,586 people. It's great. We also, between the 10 o'clock and the 11.30 a.m. gathering, set off a fire alarm. (laughs) On accident, we did that. So if you were a part of that, you may remember we needed the 10 o'clock people to exit so we could get the 11.30 in, and an inadvertent fire alarm actually helped with that whole process. And I can assure you the fire alarm system here at Valley Point works. And that's a good thing. So that added to the day. Probably the best number of all, though, is we had four people indicate on their connection card that they trusted in Jesus alone to rescue them. So can we give praise to God for just a great Easter? It's wonderful. Our church has been here for 47 years. So whenever we get the chance to say we had a record-breaking event That's kind of a big deal. And I want to thank you for being here, for attending, for volunteering. We had the two Friday gatherings and then a Saturday night. It took a lot of extra volunteers in order to host that large of a crowd. And many of you participated in that. So thank you for volunteering. Thank you for inviting. And I want to thank everybody for creating a welcoming atmosphere that just is inviting for people to come and consider the claims of Christ. Great job, church. I'm really proud of what God is doing here and can't wait to see how God continues to work through all of us. So that's the Easter weekend update. Again, just a really memorable time for us here. I want to let you know, next week we begin a new theme that will carry us into May for three weeks. It's called White Napkin Sundays. This is something that we've done before. I love this series. Here's what we do. We actually hand out napkins, white napkins, for you to be able to draw and write as if we were in a restaurant or in a coffee shop having a conversation. And perhaps in the course of the conversation, we would share something that you'd want to write down and you you grab a napkin because that's what you have and you write it down and you tuck it away to read at a later time. That's White Napkin Sundays. We're just going to have fun and share a few different things. We will begin this theme next Sunday and I will share with you the what, why, how, and when of Valley Point Church. 
I believe those four critical questions are great questions leaders need to ask of any organization. What are we doing? Why do we do that? How do we accomplish all of this? And when do we know we're winning? When do we know we're succeeding? So we're going to walk through that next week as we launch White Napkin Sundays. If you are new or newer to Valley Point, I really want to encourage you, circle next Sunday. I want you to be here because I think you'll find it to be very informative as we just talk about Valley Point, the organization. Now, some of you have heard this conversation before. It's the vision map, and you know the what, the why. You know all of this stuff, and you're thinking about taking a break next Sunday. You can't do it, okay? Here's why. I want to address mission drift. And I think this is something that can happen in any organization that starts out doing one thing. Here's what we're doing and why and how and when we know we're winning. And organizations tend to measure those things and they start out doing this. But if they don't remind themselves in a regular way of the mission, then all of a sudden they begin to drift a little bit. And instead of doing this over here, all of a sudden they're way over here doing this. And we want to avoid as a church, as an organization, mission drift. And so everybody needs to be part of this conversation. We're going to ring the bell once again. What are we doing? Why do we do that? How do we do it? And when do we know we're winning? And I will share with you, there are many good signs that we as a faith community are winning. And I'm going to talk about all of that next week. So please be here. In week two, it's Mother's Day. Can you believe we're already talking about Mother's Day? It's here. It's coming quickly. And Tanya and I are going to use that day to encourage women. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun. So please be sure that you are here for Mother's Day. And then on the third week of White Napkin Sundays, I'm going to share with you our new master plan as a church. Since January, we have had a team working diligently to think about our current facilities and the property that God has given to us and how we can use the buildings we have now and also consider future expansion and future buildings and just think about all of this with the growth that God has given to us as a church since we have moved into our new home. We have a new master plan and I'm going to share that with you on the third Sunday of White Napkin Sunday, so you'll want to be here for that. I'm going to share it, and then I'm going to ask you to join me in praying about the next steps that we are developing. So that will be a very forward-thinking day as we consider our future and everything that God is doing here. Okay? Some great days ahead of us. Some really great days, and I love you as a church. I do. I'm honored to be one of the pastors here. It's truly just a privilege to get next to you and serve the communities around us together. I am proud of us and cannot wait to see what God chooses to do next through us and our faith community, Valley Point Church. Okay, those are the updates. Before we dive into our content in our final week of rescue here, will you pray with me? Father, we come to you on this Sunday really grateful for what you are doing in this place. We had a marvelous Easter thinking about 
Jesus being alive and how you sent your only son to die for me, to die in my place, pay the price for my sins. And you did that for everybody in this room. You did that for everybody outside of this room. And so we honor you. But that's not just a one-week thing. Every Sunday we open the doors. We're here to celebrate Jesus being alive and what that means for us. God, for a few weeks now, we have been considering Jesus the rescuer and just painting this profile of him. And we're going to review that today. I pray that you'd use our time in your word to encourage us. We're going to add one more thought, one more picture of Jesus the rescuer to what we've already discussed. And I pray that you'd use that to encourage us as well. Thank you for this time and for what you're doing in and through us. Help our minds to be awake and our hearts to be open to what you want for us. And if you're willing, I'd encourage you to say the Lord's Prayer with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, rescue. When you think about the historical Jesus, the unforeseeable magnitude of his impact is really difficult to measure. I would say when you think about the historical Jesus, the unforeseeable magnitude of his impact is impossible to measure. It really is. From scholarship to the arts to relationships with other people to how we relate to authority to time itself, Jesus had impact in his world and he's still having impact in our world. It's absolutely remarkable when you think about Jesus, and there is so much that we can learn from him. Throughout the month of April, we have been painting this sketch of Jesus the Rescuer. In week one of the series, we said this, Jesus the Rescuer is wise. And from a very early age, we discover him acting this way. We looked at Luke's gospel, and there's a remarkable story there of Jesus as a 12-year-old boy. And he's having a conversation with his parents. And he's saying to them, don't you know, mom and dad, that I have to be about my father's business. That's what he shared with them. And what we know based on Luke's gospel is that the father's business was seeking and saving the lost. That was the mission of Jesus. And from a very early age, he was wise and in tune with that mission. In week two, Ben Jones taught and did a fantastic job of encouraging us to think about Jesus, the rescuer, and how he is purposeful. Jesus was very intentional with how he interacted with other people. It's purposeful. And then last Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we talked about how Jesus, the rescuer, is living. And that's kind of a big deal because Jesus was dead. There was no life in him, but yet he came back to life. And so to say the rescuer is living is 
an important thing to say and to recognize. And because he lives, we now have hope and can enjoy a forever friendship with God. So Jesus is wise, he is purposeful, and he is living. There's one more thought I want to add to the mix here. By the way, there are many thoughts we could add to Jesus being the ultimate rescuer. There are many things we could say, but I'm just going to add one thought today, and that is Jesus, the rescuer, is authoritative. And that's actually our big idea, so please take out your talk notes and follow along as we walk through this. Jesus has authority. Jesus is authoritative, which makes good sense, I think. After all, if you are wise and purposeful, if you defeated death itself, which no one has done outside of Jesus, then you are authoritative. You have power. But here's the interesting thing about the authority of Jesus. There's actually a catch to it that involves everyone who has trusted in Jesus alone to rescue them. And I want to discuss the catch to the authority of Jesus that involves all of us. Our scripture reading today can be found in Luke chapter 24. This is the final chapter of the book. So if you find Luke's gospel and go all the way to the end, you will discover chapter 24. By the way, All of our talks throughout this month have come from Luke's gospel. I wish I had time to share with you the value of Luke as an author in scripture. It is so rich and so dynamic and really brings life to his gospel and his sequel, the book of Acts, but we'll have to save that for another time. We're going to hang out in Luke's gospel a little bit today, a really important book in the Bible. And then we're also going to look at a parallel passage in Matthew chapter 28. We're going to begin with Luke chapter 24, though, and we're going to pick up with where we left off last week. So here's what's happening. If you look at the opening verses of chapter 24, you find Jesus is alive, right? And that's what we discussed last week. Jesus, the rescuer, is living. There were some women, and they were going to the tomb with burial spices to take care of a dead man's body. But when they got there, they discovered Jesus isn't here. And so they went, and they shared that bit of information with the other followers. And together, all of a sudden, they are realizing it's happened Jesus isn't in the grave. He talked about this. We kind of doubted, but he's actually alive. And if you continue to read in Luke 24, you find that Jesus begins to appear to his followers so they can recognize him as living. So Jesus walks out of the tomb alive in Luke chapter 24. What happens next is that Jesus takes, according to Acts chapter 1, verse 3, Jesus takes approximately 40 days here on the earth. After he comes out of the grave alive, he takes 40 days to show himself as alive to his followers and also prepare them for his departure. That's what he's doing in this 40-day time period. He's ready to go back to heaven. My work is done. I have accomplished what my father sent me to do to seek and save the lost. I have defeated death. It's time for me to return to heaven. So there's a 40-day period there. 40 days. I find that kind of interesting. In the Christian calendar, 
There is a 40-day period from Ash Wednesday to Resurrection Sunday that is called Lent. And many Christ followers around the world take that 40-day period to pray and fast and contemplate what God offers through Jesus, and they use that 40-day period to prepare for Resurrection Sunday. Uniquely, there is another 40-day period after Jesus comes back to life where he is showing people he is alive and real and preparing for his departure. Perhaps, perhaps, just an idea, maybe the Christian world should initiate another 40-day period of prayer and contemplation about how we can partner with Jesus and his work in the world. Just a thought, could be a good thing. Okay, there's 40 days here after the resurrection, and here's what we read in Luke chapter 24, verse 50. Then Jesus led them, the followers, to Bethany. And lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshiped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. Okay? Makes sense, right? Jesus comes back to life. He has 40 days to prove that he's alive to the followers. And then he talks about what they should be doing while he leaves. And when he is gone, and then Jesus says, it's time for me to go. And he returns to heaven. That's Luke chapter 24. I want to look at the parallel passage in Matthew chapter 28, the very last chapter of Matthew. Here's his account. Verse 16, it says, then the 11 disciples. Now, wait a minute. I thought there were 12. Well, if you read in the gospels, one of the things you discover is that Judas, who betrayed Jesus, after he did that, he killed himself. Couldn't handle it anymore. And so they're down to 11 disciples and they hadn't replaced Judas yet. That actually happens in the book of Acts. But right now there's only 11 disciples. And they left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, and if you'd like to highlight and underline, I would encourage you to circle that phrase there because again, Jesus wants people to see him to prove he really was alive. And so these followers saw him and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Some of them doubted. Let's pause there for a moment. I find that to be really interesting some of the followers of Jesus who are observing him and his life after death are still doubting a bit. Maybe you're here and you've doubted and questioned and wondered about Jesus and all this God stuff. Maybe that's a part of your life and you've doubted at some point, is Jesus real? Are the claims of Christ true? If you have ever doubted or questioned or wondered in any way, if you have walked through that kind of season, then you need to know you're in good company because the disciples doubted themselves and they lived with Jesus. 
They talked with him and walked with him and ate with him. They heard him teach. They watched him heal people. They watched him get murdered. They saw him alive and yet they still doubted. So if you have ever wondered or doubted, you are in good company because the disciples themselves actually questioned and wondered. And that's happening here as they're seeing the living Jesus. Like, I don't know about this. By the way, this word doubt or doubted in the New Living Translation is used two different times in the book of Matthew. It's used here in chapter 28, and then it's used in Matthew chapter 14. What's happening in Matthew 14? Well, this is where Peter, one of the disciples, is walking on the water to Jesus. And he takes his eyes off of Christ because the storm is swelling around him as he's walking on the water, and he begins to sink. In that moment, Jesus reaches out to him, pulls him back to safety, and says, Peter, why did you doubt? That's the same word used here in Matthew chapter 28. Why did your faith waver? And I think this is so important for us to understand. So all eyes up here for just a moment. If Peter himself doubted and saw and observed Christ himself, then it makes sense that we will doubt at times as well. It's what happens in that season of doubt that matters. And I think the challenge we get from the Gospels is in those moments when we doubt, when we question, keep moving toward Jesus in the midst of all of that. Okay, verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all, say the word with me, authority. Yeah. Jesus talking to the disciples. I have been given all authority, that's our word, in heaven and on earth. Jesus, the rescuer, is authoritative. And that word in the construction of the sentence means power. And certainly Jesus had that. After all, he was on mission from God the Father. He defeated death, and now he's communicating to his followers, I have authority, I have power. Of course he does. Normally when we think of authority and power, we think of it in terms like this. Here's what I have. I have power. I have authority. And look at me, and I think Jesus could have certainly done that, and nobody would have questioned those words. But instead, and and here comes the catch of the authority that God the Father gave to his son that involves all of us who have trusted in Jesus. There's a catch to the authority of Jesus. Are you ready for this? I don't know. Here it comes, verse 19. Therefore, this is what Jesus says. Therefore is a connecting word. So based on what I have just said about all power and all authority has been given to me by the Father, now you go. You, followers, disciples, (laughs) you go now. I'm giving and extending authority to you to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. 
I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So here's the catch. Jesus has authority and power, and now he extends it to those who have trusted in him with the challenge, you now go where you live, work, and play. You go, you make disciples, you teach with your words and with your actions, and guess what? Jesus is with us. No longer here physically on earth, but he said, I will be with you always. And with that, Jesus returns to heaven. He's gone. Now, think about this for a moment. The odds, right? The odds of this little group of people who doubted and questioned, even with Jesus being alive in front of them, the odds of this little group accomplishing anything worth it, the odds of that are not very high. Not at all. And if we were betting people, we'd probably bet against them ever accomplishing anything of significance. Yet, this little group of doubters, questioners, who had low faith at times, with the promise that Jesus would be with them, they organized a little community and they spent time together. They ate together. They shared what they had. They became very generous and they took the teachings of Jesus and they began to pass that on to others and people noticed and were very attracted to this community. John Ortberg, a scholar and writer, says it this way, their task was to form a community that reflected the presence and power of the God they learned about from Jesus, extend the love of this community to everyone, and invite anybody who is interested to join them. And when you get to the book of Acts, which is a continuation of Dr. Luke's gospel, the only gospel that has a sequel, Luke and then Acts, when you get into that book, you discover that this little group of doubters grew and grew and grew and became known as the church. And here we are today, still functioning, still thinking about the life of Jesus and how he lives and what that means for us. And taking this challenge that Jesus shared at his ascension and living it out in the best ways that we possibly can. I have two takeaways. These words will be familiar. First of all, go. This is what Jesus said. I will be with you, so I now want you to go. This is the catch of authority. I'm giving it to you. So you now go where you live, work, and play, and you teach what you have learned from Jesus with your words and with your actions. So go and teach and remember the words of Jesus. I will be with you always. John Ortberg goes on to say something that I find to be fascinating in his book, Who Is This Man? Speaking of Jesus. And if you're looking for a good book, I would encourage you to read this. It's the best book I have ever read about the person of Christ and his impact. And here's what he says about this small little group choosing to say, we're going to do 
what Jesus wants us to do. We're going to go and teach. At the end of their time together, they had not caused much of a stir. If you could have been there on the day after he died, if you could have seen the Roman Empire with its Pax Romana and its 250,000 miles of roads and its extension from Asia to Africa to Europe and its history of dominance and its social status that was envied throughout the Mediterranean. And then, if you could have seen a few dozen failed, frightened, demoralized, defeated, confused former followers of an executed poor carpenter, If someone had asked you to place a bet on which group would still be around in 2,000 years, all the smart money would have been on the Roman Empire, which is extinct. And yet the church, with that demoralized, defeated, doubting small group of people, has initiated what we celebrate today the church, and Jesus being alive. And so Jesus, the rescuer, is authoritative. And with that authority, he now commissions us. You go. And everywhere you go, teach with your words and with your actions that Jesus lives. May God give us the strength. May God give us the strength and the courage to take his commission and carry it forward. Father, we come before you and thank you for this time and this theme we have been considering. Jesus the rescuer, the ultimate rescuer. And yes, he is wise and purposeful and living. Jesus is also authoritative, but he doesn't hang on to that power. He actually extends it to all those who have trusted in him alone to now go and teach. So God, I pray that you'd help us all to take that challenge upon us, knowing that you are with us. Your presence is with us. And as fearful And as difficult as it may be to talk about faith, God, help us to take this scene of the ascension, Jesus returning to heaven with the promise of his presence to say, okay, I'm going to live out this commission to go and to teach because Jesus is with me. Is with me. Help us to live this out, we do pray now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.